that we're going to be in, in the book of the Revelation in chapter 15. So take your Bibles, turn there. I think it's page 1036. If you're using the church Bible, if you're using your Bible, I, I don't know what page it is. But it's in the back of your Bible, I do know that. So you'll find us there, Revelation chapter 15. This is, this is, just to put it in context, now we're coming, we're coming to the end of the book. Well, we've been promising that for a while. This is God's end, however. As we come to the end of the book, we're coming to the end of the seven-year tribulation period that is described and outlined for us in the book of the Revelation. And the last part of it, these seven bold judgments, there were seven seals, and then the seventh seal opened up seven trumpets. And the seventh trumpet is going to open up these seven bold judgments, which I understand to be occurring towards the very end of that seven-year tribulation period. So you have these seven bold judgments. This is going to be the worst. It went from bad seals to worse trumpets to much, much worse in these bold judgments that are coming. And, and they're going to be announced in chapter 15, they're going to be described in chapter 16, and then the implications of it, what does this mean, what does this change, are going to be described in chapters 17 and chapter 18. And, and those, those get even more complicated, so I'm going to let Pastor Ryan do one of those. But uh, that, So that's what's coming. We're going to be in this last bit, this bold judgments for a while. There'll be several chapters that we're going to look at different angles of this because it's that important. But this morning is the announcement. And you can breathe a, it, it's only, chapter 15 is only eight verses. After some of what we've been through in Revelation together, isn't that good news? Everybody breathe a sigh of relief. Say, oh, eight verses. We could probably, we could probably handle this. We could grab hold of this, couldn't we? Let's do that. Let's read these eight verses of Revelation chapter 15. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. Oh, we long for that day. The wrath of God, the judgment of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had overcome or conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name. Standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, which is the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Now they're describing something in that song that hasn't yet been fully realized. But it will be when the wrath of God is finished. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure, bright linen, with gold sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Father, would you help us to understand your word? 
to hear it, to receive from it. Lord, you have promised that if we would hear your word in this book, it would be a blessing to us. So, Father, would you open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your word, that we might have this truth, Lord, change us by your grace, by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. One of the things we see right off the bat there, the way the chapter opens and closes, there's a, there's a theme, there's a wraparound, there are bookends, it is finished. The wrath of God is finished, and the plagues of the seven angels given to them by God, the plagues are finished. And we tend to read that simply as, it's done, it's over, and it does mean that. But there's a, there's a, a fuller connotation to this finished. It means actually a little more than that. That, that word carries the, the freight of reaching the intended end. There has been a planned purpose. There is an ultimate goal, and the goal has been accomplished. You see, way back through history, God has been working a plan, a plan that is described in Daniel chapter 9. We'll put Daniel, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24 up on the screen here. But, but uh, as, we, as we grab that, that I want to get in context, he's describing 70 weeks or 77s, um, 77-year periods. And then he, he describes those periods, and in the, in, the, um, in the 69th of those weeks, the Messiah, the Anointed One, is going to be cut off, but not for his own guilt. And that was the death of Jesus. And we've been waiting then from that to this final 70th predicted by Daniel, seven-year period. And that is described in the book of Revelation, this seven-year tribulation. Okay, now Daniel is told here in 9.24, there are these 70 weeks. And here's the purpose of these 70 weeks, which includes God's restoration of Israel out of captivity, which occurs in the Old Testament, it, it, it includes the coming of his Messiah who will be cut off, who will die for our sins, and a future seven-year period that is going to come sometime after that, which will complete what he describes here. Now what he describes here. To finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up or to bring to fulfillment. And there is the same word in the Greek. In the Old Testament, Greek translation of the Old Testament, the same word is used there as is used here to finish. Teleo, to bring to its intended end, to reach its purpose, to fulfill the goal. To, bring in, to, to seal up what vision and prophecy have described to anoint the most holy place, to make pure again the temple of God where God would dwell with his people. Think of it when that is accomplished. Think of how, how that will be. Imagine God's end, God's intended future, God's planned purpose, the goal that he will arrive at. No more sin, no Satan, no accuser, no temptation, no lies. We will live in love and truth, in all that is good and right, in faithfulness and light. Do you long for that day? To put it very simply, do you long for the day when all that is wrong will be made right? In our experience, 
in our own lives, in the lives of those that we love and care about, the hurt that has been experienced, the losses that we have grieved, he will wipe away every tear. That is God's intended end. That is what God will finish. And this tribulation period is part of it, and now he announces, now we're stepping into it. We're anticipating that end. With them, the wrath of God is finished in verse 1 and again in verse 8. The wrath of God will be finished in a way that will display God's sovereign justice and purity. Here you see in verse 2, the saints who were sealed are secure. And now the wrath of God will come. And look at that heavenly scene again in verse 2. Those who overcame, they're standing beside that sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. Oh, there's your future. Think of it. Strumming harps of God in heaven. That just seems a little distant, right? Well, you know what the word for harps there is? It's kind of fun. Kitara. Where have you heard that? That sounds a whole lot like a string instruments that we still use, doesn't it? And it was often a four or, or a six or an eight-stringed instrument. And we use some of those. Four-string bass, six-string guitars, 12-string. I don't know about an eight. Somebody needs to come up with that. You might be on to something. But, but imagine it. You know, I, I, my son, when he was a teen, my oldest, he, 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 he wanted a guitar. We got him a guitar. He picked it up like in a couple of days, and he started playing for the church worship team. I was like, well, gee, I could do that. The guitar still sits in its case, leaned up against the wall in one of the bedrooms. And I've had every opportunity over the last couple of day, decades to pick that thing up and give it a try. And I have not. But there will be a day. We sang about it. There will be a day. Even Bob could play an instrument. Imagine that. Wow. But what this alludes to definitely is our, one of our purposes in the future will be on God's worship team. I would suggest to you that one of our purposes today is to live on God's worship team. And a connection I want to make in this passage that, well, I'll pause there. We're going to come back to those guys. But in verse 5, you find that, that here they are, there's that sea of glass mingled with fire. In verse 5, judgment emerges from the tent of witness, from the place of God's presence. That tabernacle in the wilderness, Moses' tent of witness, representing the revelation of God, witnessing, testifying to God's character and His holiness and who He is, separate from His people but with His people. The holy commandments of God are there. And there's the means of sacrifice because we cannot measure up. We could not draw near. And out of that place of God's presence, this judgment comes. In verses 6 and 7, the angels who will bear this judgment, they are seen in pure white, bright linen. The golden sashes remind us of the appearance of Jesus himself who, who stands in, in, in this bright white linen with a golden royal sash across his chest. And, and these angels representing him and carrying the wrath of God are seen the same. God's sovereignty is at play here in verse 8. One of the most fearful parts of this whole chapter. Did you catch it in verse 8? The sanctuary was filled with smoke with the from the glory of God and from his power. And there's an Old Testament scene. We've seen that before. The pillar of cloud or smoke in the wilderness, God's very presence with them. But then in the appearance of God in his glory, you find that same image with Isaiah and Ezekiel. And, and here it is again. But that's not the scary part. The serious part here 
And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. All the way through this tribulation period even, all the way through the the seal judgments, all the way through the trumpet judgments, there was still an opportunity. There were 144,000 sealed to bear witness to the Lamb to the world. There were these two unique prophets who, who are very like Moses and Elijah who would witness faithfully for three and a half years and the whole world would hear what they have to say. Even at the very end of all of that, there would be this angel across the heavens declaring the gospel of the Lamb. There is every opportunity for people to hear and respond. And God seems to be waiting and waiting and waiting. And the waiting is now over. The wrath will be finished. And it will not be interrupted. There will not be any delay. God will no longer relent. God will no longer hold back. He will not change his mind. His wrath has come. That's a fearful time. That's a fearful thing. There's no further intercession. Nobody will enter into the presence of God at this moment and change his mind, cause him to hold off any longer. The wrath of God must righteously come against this rebellion that has raged against him. And yet, that wrath of God that will be finished, it will be finished, and they declare it as a, uh, this is called a proleptic description. They are describing something as already accomplished because that's how sure it is. But the wrath of God that will be finished actually, for many of you, is already finished. One of the things that, I, that could not escape me when, when John twice, by the Spirit's leading, uses this word to bracket this chapter, finished, teleo, I had to go, it brought back in my mind, I've heard that declaration before. It is finished, and you have too. You remember it. Do you recall that when John describes that moment at Jesus' crucifixion, again, the same word is used twice. Look at John chapter 19. Turn over there in your Bibles to John chapter 19 and verse 28. This is in the midst of the crucifixion, toward the end. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, knowing that all was now finished, that God's end for his life, for the purpose of his incarnation, had been met to die for us. Knowing that it was finished, he said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, and they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And in the other Gospels, it is described as a triumphing, not the weak and feeble words of a dying man whose breath is exhausted by the process of crucifixion, but it is described as a triumphant shout. It is finished. It's been done. It's been fulfilled. It's been realized. It's accomplished. The thing that he came to do is done. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. For you and I, by faith in Jesus, 
The wrath of God has already been finished. It is finished in him who died for us in our place on that cross on that day. And we receive that finish, that death for us when we believe God concerning his son Jesus. That God did in fact love the world. So loved the world that he gave his only son to die in our place. That whoever would believe on him. God, I believe you. I trust you that my debt is paid by Jesus who died for me, that he secured for me right relationship again with you, and I accept from you, God, that gift in Jesus' name. That's it. And in that trust in Jesus in my place, the wrath of God that will be finished for the world is already finished for me. One of the ways we know that God will finish his work in this world is because he finished it for those of us who believe in Jesus. And Jesus himself declared it is finished. And that is what's described to, put, to atone for iniquity. Back in Daniel 9.24, isn't it? God said he'd do that. And he did that right on his schedule. And he will finish. He will make all that's wrong Jesus was finishing a promise that began in Genesis chapter 3, 15, when it was promised that the seed of the woman, a descendant from the woman, would crush the serpent's head. And now finally, that's that, 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 that dragon, that ancient serpent, his head will be crushed. The end of it will be realized. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, when it's promised to Abraham that through Abraham, now the, all the nations are under a curse. And there's many nations scattered from Babel that are under this curse. And very next chapter, God introduces Abraham so that we would know that in Abraham or through Abraham, all nations will be blessed. God intends to bring a blessing. That blessing is described in the Exodus, celebrated and sung in Exodus chapter 15. Oh, we've got to turn back there too. And here in, in Revelation 15, they sang in verse 3, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, a song which is the song of the Lamb. You see, when Moses is singing about the Exodus, oh, let's turn there. Exodus chapter 15. In Exodus chapter 15, when, when Moses is singing, when the people of Israel are singing the song of Moses, a song of deliverance, a song of God's rescue, a song of redemption out of oppression and captivity and bondage into a new life, a life of freedom with God in relationship with him. The song of Moses says, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider, the Egyptian ones, he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And they go on to describe what God has done for them. This is their personal experience. They have seen it. They, have, they walked through that sea on dry ground. They experienced God's rescue. And they know that as the song closes, the Lord will reign forever and ever. That's the part that isn't yet realized and yet will be. The song of Moses. You see, Jesus is Christ our Passover sacrifice for us. The Exodus and the Passover were picturing a much bigger redemption and rescue that was coming, that was accomplished in Jesus the question that remains then, where are you? Are you over here in John 19? And the wrath of God is finished for you in Jesus. 
Or are you over here in Revelation 15? And the wrath of God will be finished. It is coming and it hangs over you as a continuing threat that you can find no shelter from. And you know that it's coming. You know that it's real. You are accountable to the God who made you. Every one of us are. And the only escape out of the it is finished of Revelation 15 is the escape that is provided in John chapter 19 where Jesus himself for us says it is finished. Have you accepted that gift? It is simple as this. Right where you are to believe, to accept, to receive that gift, to pray, God, I believe you concerning Jesus, your son who died for me. Have you done that? The salvation of God is finished for you. The wrath and restoration of God, the fullness of his intention described in Daniel will be realized. Oh, the place is a mess. There's more elections coming. Cheer up. We can vote. We're going to fix it, right? <laughs> How's that been working for you the last decade or two or, or, or 20? It's not. It's not. Oh, each new election, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the football game that says, well, next season. Yeah? And yet next season isn't any better. In fact, it's going to be worse. We know something about that. And yet, and yet it will be. God will finish his work of restoration. All that's wrong will be made right. What we need is a good king, and he is coming. One more thing about finish. If the wrath of God has been finished for you, if that's where you stand, you say, I am glad that I'm not going to endure what Revelation 15 described because I, I am there with Jesus. In John chapter 19, when he died for me and God's judgment of my guilt was finished there in Jesus in my place. Well then, if that's your story, if the wrath of God is finished for you, then let God finish his work in you. Let's carry on that theme. God will finish well. Yes, he will. Jesus finished well in laying down his life for us. Will you and I finish well? It's one thing to start well. It's another thing to finish well. Will I finish well? And certainly, as all kind of, and as you get a little older in life, you start, you start thinking about that a little more, don't you? Will I finish well? Have I finished well? We think, of, we think of Paul when he could say, I have run the race, I have finished my course, there is laid up for me a crown. Longing to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, will I finish well? And what does that mean? Well, I would suggest join God in finishing his work. Join God in his. Could I say this life could be called our finishing school? I think this life is God's workshop for eternity where he is growing us in our experience in his redemption that will, be, that will flow out of us in our worship in living through all of eternity. It won't be a matter merely of constantly forever around the throne strumming your guitar. There may be some of that. But it will be a worship in living with God forever. And yet our capacity for that 
is being grown and developed and finished today. God is doing a work in you. We trust God that he, he, he will fulfill his saving purposes in the past. We trust God that he will fulfill his wrath and restoration in the future. The church could trust God in the midst of the troubles that they were in in the first century, just as we as a church then and as individual believers, we can trust God in the midst of the troubles today because he will finish it. We're not on our own here. We're not left wondering how things will happen. In fact, God has said in Philippians 1.6, in Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, Paul says, I'm confident of this, that he, God, who began his good work in you, he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He will finish it. The completion there is as our same word, finish. The same word, teleo. He will finish it. I'm confident of that. I'm sure of that. God is finishing his work. This life is our finishing school. God is faithful to do what he says with humanity in history. God is faithful to do then what he has said he is doing with you in this moment. Are we joining with him in it? Are we cooperating with him? I want to move from this verse to another one just nearby, near neighbors, and probably my favorite verse, one that I hope reflects well my life, that I finish well on these terms. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Him we proclaim. Now proclaim there, some, some translations say read preach, and that fits too, but I don't like that translation as well because it gives you the idea that this is a preacher's verse. This is for pastors or, or teachers up front, evangelists, personality. Like, no, it's making known. Him we make known. Him we tell about to others. Him we proclaim, warning everyone. There's some exhortation and some challenge then. Teaching everyone. There's some instruction with all wisdom for this purpose, that we may present everyone perfect or mature. That's our finish word. I'll come back to it. Perfect, mature in Christ, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy, all of his working in me. Everyone mature, everyone perfected. Everyone, the, the word is the noun form of the Greek finish, to be finished. It's, a, it's, it's, it's teleos, to be complete, to be mature, to reach the intended aim. Our goal as a church is for each one of us to grow. Think of it as children. I remember when we had our firstborn, again, the one who, who, who later picked up the guitar so easily. When he was small as a baby, we didn't realize at the time, but we found out pretty quick that we had a brand new pediatrician. So it wasn't so much our son, but the pediatrician was a little new and nervous. And so he was very, very careful about everything he did. And when, the, when, when our son didn't, didn't quite follow the growth charge, he was very concerned. He was quick to call it, this child is failure to thrive. He's not growing and maturing like he should. And that was a concern, and it is something to be concerned about. Failure to thrive. You know, I think the American church today... And I'm not being judgmental. I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting on myself as well. There's a bit of a failure to thrive out there. There's a, there's, a, there's a bit of a failure to really grab and grow, to take hold of that for which we have been taken hold of by Christ and to grow in it. To, to be joining with God in his finishing work. And it is a joining with him in it. 
that we, we participate with God in this work. We toil. We roll up our sleeves. It's a hard work. We're exhorting one another. We're instructing one another. We declare that in our purpose as a church, that together we will know and follow Jesus by exhorting and teaching, by helping others to know and follow Jesus. That's how we will know and follow him more fully in the helping of others to know and follow him. Our service of worship in his future, I think, flows out of what God is finishing in us today. Let's go back to Revelation 15. And those who stand around that sea of glass and they have the guitars in their hands and they are singing this song of Moses, which is a song of the Lamb's redemption that they now see it all the way through God's working, from Exodus through to Revelation. They're seeing the fullness of it, and they are singing and rejoicing. Those who had conquered, those who had overcome, same word we ran into earlier in chapter 14. No, it's chapter 12. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony, and that they did not love this present life more than God's future. And so they overcame. And that was the same call that John gave to every church that he wrote this book of the Revelation to. Each of those seven churches, the final words of the Lord Jesus to that church, to the one who overcomes, I will. And he describes the blessing that he calls us to overcome. And in the overcoming, in the participation in and the appreciation of God's redemptive working and in us toward his purpose and end and goal, that seems to impact their participation in worship. As I said before, this is God's workshop for eternity. We are in God's finishing school. Will I finish well? I may have started well. You're thinking to yourself, but will we finish well? Will we help one another finish well? Because that Colossians 1, 28 and 29 speaks to us about that we would present, that we would stand together with every man and woman having reached God's intended end. We can be very selfish about the, Christ, about the Christian life and about spiritual growth. Will I grow? Am I finishing well? And I, I would suggest to you, in fact, that if you're not engaged in somebody else's finishing well, you will not finish well. The only way to finish well is to follow Jesus, who gave himself for the sake of others. We will be finishing well as we give ourselves, even in ways that it costs us, to help others finish well in God's working in their lives. That's why we've got to be connected together. It's not just a thing that churches are supposed to do. That's why we're going to be equipping one another for ministry, because that's where we will be growing ourselves and knowing and following Jesus. As a church then we've chosen to put our main focus on those things that are going to help you finish well, that help us finish well. What is your next step then? If I can play off that next step wall, what is your next step in God's purpose? How will you use the help around us? How would you use what what has been established through our elders and deacons in this church, the, the kind of ministry opportunities that we have in growing together, in being connected with others, 
How will you use that help to take a next step in serving others, meeting a need, being connected with others, not merely because you need that connection, but because they do? Joining into a a D group with others saying, I need to grow that way. I need to be walking discipleship with some others so that then I could take somebody else through that same path. I can't lead somebody else where I haven't yet been myself. Being equipped through a BP Academy faith, a class that your faith is strengthened, that it overflows then out of you and you help feed others. Maybe your next step is actually a first step. Maybe your next step is that first step to believe that God's right judgment against me has been paid for, has been finished. It was finished in Jesus, and what I need to do, where I need to start, if I'm going to finish well, I need to start, and where I need to start is to receive God's gift of forgiveness in Jesus. You know, let's, let's just pause Think about the many ways, okay, next step I need to take, but, but perhaps it was the first step, and I want to just pause right here, and let's consider that one. Lord, Father, there's, there's likely someone. There are likely ones here this morning that have heard before about what you have done, but it's never become what you did for them personally. Lord, I would pray right now that there would be those within this room sitting right where they are who would say, God, I believe you concerning your son, Jesus, who you gave to die in my place for my guilt, a death that only he could die for me. And he did so that I could be in right relationship with you. God, I believe you for that. I accept your forgiveness in Jesus so that I can, God, have life with you. In Jesus' name. And Lord, to the extent that that is our prayer, that that has been, Father, would you help us to take a next step? Would you help us to know this is where I would be growing with other growing believers? This is where I will know and follow Jesus. This is how I can help others to know and follow Jesus. Oh, God, don't let us waste the time that you give us. Lord, we do want you to finish your work in us. We want, Lord, you to be working in us in ways that will change how we are equipped in capacity to worship and walk with you for eternity, forever. So, Lord, would you work in making us willing today to do what you'd have us to do, To even sacrifice, Lord, to give up what you'd have us to give up. To walk away from something, to lean into what is your next step for for each one of us. That in that, Lord, we would glorify you, we pray. And all who agree said, amen. We're going to take some time now in remembering that indeed the wrath of God is finished for us. We're going to take some time joining the song around the throne. We only sang a couple songs before so that we could save some time and we could sing several songs now because we want to. 
We want to worship the Lord, our God, and our Redeemer for what he has done. The song of Moses, the song of the Lamb, it's our song. And God will finish his work. He will finish his work in you and I. And part of that finishing is right here this morning in his presence. Let's pray.